Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Evening Jones. Anyway, I apologize for being late. I actually have a bit of an explanation as to why it was that I was late. So, as some of you know, I moved to New York City a couple months ago. Um, got in my spot here. I did corporate housing for a month. Excuse me. Did corporate housing for a month, um, and then I moved, and then right after I moved, I traveled for like two weeks in a row, basically. So I've been back here, eh, you know, a week and a half, give or take. Anyway, that, that will become relevant in a few. Boarded a lot of delivery. Oh, wow. This is unfortunate. Um, I've ordered a lot of delivery since I've been here. Part of it is the delivery game is just completely different here in this city with so many people in such a small space. And, you know, so much of the population goes vertical. So it's far much, far more efficient for people to deliver you food. Your options tend to be better. And I live in a pretty good part of town in terms of having the range of delivery options, right? Boom. Got it. So order from this tie joint tonight and I'd ordered from them before. And I guess I hadn't paid close enough attention when I'd ordered before because I ordered and I'm getting the, the cashew nut chicken, you know what I'm saying? Give me the ginger ale, go with it. And so I ordered, and, like, the total price came to something like, after, like, tip, delivery, all that, it came to, like, 13 bucks, And I'm like, wow. I don't understand why I haven't ordered from them more. Wow, what an economical price. You know? And so it gets here, and... You know, get in the bag, open it up, take the top off. Then I get ready to, you know, scoop some of it onto my plate to go with the rice. And I'm like, yeah, there seems to be cashew nuts, but uh, where's the chicken? And so I start poking around in there and, uh, no chicken. Seems to be an explanation for why the uh, the price is so low. And so, on one level, uh, I got it off seamless, you know what I mean? So there's nobody to blame but me. It's not like they wrote it down wrong or anything like that. Um, at the same time, number one, that right there is a horrible mistake to make. Like, I understand that the vegetarians and vegans among you, you guys find a way to make this whole, like, not eating work, not eating meat thing work. Like, you find a way to pull that off. But for real, y'all don't walk around with, like, a headache all the time? You know what I mean? Like, like this doesn't, you don't, like, your neck doesn't get sore? Nothing like that. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't really understand this. Cause like my feeling after eating one of these meatless meals, is like, wow, there's something missing. And that something is meat. <laughs> like, it's not like it's a mystery to what it is that is lacking. I, I, I am impressed by the way that people go about like finding these substitutes, but I, I'm simply wow. Right. So anyway, Basically, the cashew nut chicken without chicken is a bunch of peppers, right? It's like some peppers, some onions, up, up, some cashews, 
you know, a couple other little things sprinkled in there. And so I went from being amazed that I could get this cashew nut chicken plus a drink plus delivery plus tip for like, you know, 13 bucks to going back and checking the receipt, you know, in order to find out that I did not ask for the chicken. Like I just need to make sure that it, you know, it was on me. Of course it was. And so I go back and I peeped that and I go from the beginning of this being so impressed that I could get cashew nut chicken for so cheap to now wondering like what kind of audacity do you have charging me $9.95 for a bunch of peppers with some cashews in it? Like, I, I don't, like, really? That's $9.95? Yo, man, they just stealing. I mean, look, I mean, I know they probably got, like, really high rent and all that. It's New York City, you know, all that. But I was just like, yo. The unmitigated gall of you to charge me $10 for that. Because I'm not hungry. But I ain't full. Please believe that. I don't know what the hell I'm going to do after this show. I don't know if I'm going to get to the end of this show. I might get dizzy. Like, I just don't, like, you know, my dad, you know, they grew up, like, for real poor. Like, not that we didn't have anything, you know, or we, you know, we didn't have much. Nah, man. It was poor. And so... I remember one of his sisters was talking about, because it was 10 of them, right? And he was talking about how, you know, they'd, uh, you know, get like a little bit of rice, maybe a neck bone, right? A neck bone. And they'd be okay. Now, look, I know what a lot of y'all are thinking, you know, like, yeah, I'm skinny. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Ain't no denying that. But I ain't really out here about missing no meals. Like, I'm absolutely not built for poverty. Like, I feel like some people may have done. No, no, I have no idea. So anyway, I was in here trying to figure out how I could possibly manufacture, like, turn this collection of peppers and rice um, into, like, a full sumptuous meal. And I guess generally in this situation, the move would be to find some way to supplement this from the groceries in the house. Brian bought grocery the first. And I have to tell you that part of why I have not bought grocery the first is, um, so there's a, there's a grocery store like relatively close to where I live, but let's just say it ain't Publix. You understand what I'm saying? Like it doesn't really give you that vibe. That's like, yo, come on in. Like, he's giving me a vibe that says, like, yo, the apples are bruised. Like, that's the vibe I'm getting. Man said you could always go to Popeye's. Yeah, you can go to Popeye's, man. Popeye's a hit or miss proposition. Like, it's real hit or miss proposition. One, the line be out the door at Popeye's. Two, they be real sporadic on having the full array of spicy. Like we ain't got no spicy wings. I'm a little dumb with them. In fact, they kept getting me for money because I kept going back. I'm like, yo, I'm getting a spicy wing out of here, right? Now, eventually, I did wind up getting um, a spicy wing. I'm also now at the age where this show going to be over at 10 o'clock. And, like, the last thing I need to be doing 
and I do in fact mean the last thing I need to be doing is trying to eat Popeyes after 10 o'clock. Like it's probably not the best idea for me to be eating Popeyes like at regular times, but I'm definitely out of the demographic that can just be like, yo, let me get spicy fried chicken at 10 o'clock. I'm not there. Although the other night I did have to do that because I was going to somebody's spot to watch that damn fight. I guess we'll get to that. But anyway, I was going to somebody's damn house to watch that fight, and I got a little late, way too late to get to deliver anything, so I had to run and get some Popeyes. And, yeah, it was late, and I was just like, I can't eat all this Popeyes. It'll be horrible. Anyway, make sure on Seamless to not assume that chicken is coming with the entree. Just a thought. Anyway, let's move on to your questions. Compare and contrast dating in New York and dating in Miami. Well, that right there is... An interesting question. Um, I was on Combat Jack's podcast the other day, and I'm talking slow because I'm going to send this question out to the people so they can be here for the answer. And I don't want to deprive them of all these pearls of game and wisdom that I plan to offer you now. So, yeah. Back to the lecture at hand. Your man's asked me to compare and contrast um, the dating in New York versus the dating in Miami. All right. This I can tell you. New York, this is just a general statement. New York attracts and has a different set of people who live here than who live in Miami. And this is one thing I always say about Miami, and this is important for you to understand about Miami if you ever get the the bright idea to move to Miami, okay? Moving to Miami is not a smart thing to do. It's not. As a result, there ain't but that much smart you're going to run into. That's just not what it's about. It's just not. Like New York attracts people who come to grind. Miami attracts people who come to kick it. Now, that's not to say that there's nobody in Miami that's there to grind. That's not to say there's nobody in New York who's there to kick it. But speaking generally, People that you meet in New York are going to be talking about different things and have different stories and have different ambitions than people who are in Miami. Now, I mentioned Combat Jack asking me that same question on his podcast. And I recall him asking me that. And I just looked at him like, yeah, (laughs) what are you, crazy? Like, that's how I feel about you, Cruz Bannister. Are you out of your mind? 
Like, let me explain something to you right fast. I mean, and granted, I get the feeling. I feel like if you make the decision that you're going to come check out this podcast, that you know a little about me, right? You know what I do. You know what I don't do. And one thing I don't do, I'll tell you what I think. But I ain't really telling you too much, like, about my life. Not based on no question you ask. Like, if I decide to tell you, chances are it's going to be me. It ain't going to be no, like, you're going to get this out of me, person who ain't even got his face up here. Um, just always remember this, all right? Just something for you to think about. Just something for you to consider. If I'm dating somebody, you know what there's a good chance that person does? You want to guess? Just take a guess. That's right. Listen to this podcast. It is entirely possible. Now, stop and take a brief moment and ask yourself, gee, if I'm listening to a podcast, do I feel like hearing about my life knowing that I am listening to this podcast with thousands of strangers? All right. You think anybody wants that? You think that? Because I don't think anybody wants that. Yeah, like Chris Rock said about like why he never told jokes about his wife. He's like, look, I got a microphone. She does it. No, man. Don't do that. You don't do that. So, yes, my compare and contrast, dating in New York, dating in Miami. Different kinds of people live in each place. You good? You straight? All right, so. We got a homie here who says, can I tell the people about my night working the Mayweather fight in an Irish bar without talking sports. I believe there's a way to pull that off, sir. At the very least, I would love to see you try because this is not talking sports. This is talking about America. And so I'm going to do this thing here. I don't think I've done this in the new interface, but they let you invite the user on screen. So I'm hitting the button so you know, homie, your time is here. It says, am I sure I want to invite him on the screen? I think so. All right, I said yes. But I got to wait for him to reply or something. Like, I'm ready. I want this. This is what we need. Lance, you got any ideas on what I got to do here? All right, homie. Um, we're going to wait for you to come back because I can't figure out how to make this work. So whenever we get the chance for him to come back. Oh, dang, there you go. Too close. Okay, here we go. All right, now we got the two screens. We got them side by side. There he is. What's going on, bro? What's going on, man? Big time fan. 
Long time listener supporter. Okay. Am I the only person who uh, cannot hear the gentleman? Anybody scared me? Please. Anybody else here who cannot hear the gentleman? You guys let me. Oh, you know what? My bad, dog. I had it on mute. You there? Yeah, I'm here. All right, cool, man. Tell us a story, man. We ready for it. Cool, 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 cool. So um, I work security, uh, bouncer, whatever. So I'm working at this Irish bar, Solange, for the fight. Now, the first thing everybody asked you that night is who you going for. Now, I'm the only one of maybe three or four brothers in there. So I'm not going to say who I'm going for, obviously. I, my answer was, I don't got a dog in this fight. Whoever win, good. You know, whoever lose, lose. I know, I know the implications. So throughout the night, of course, everybody got their flags, their soccer flags, their Irish flags. So you know who they're going for. Everybody's going for uh, McGregor, right? So undercard, quiet. Nobody's really talking. They, they, I mean, no one's really watching. They're engaged. They're talking. They're drinking. Just can't wait for the, the main event. So around the time they show Floyd, boo, boo, you know, after Mayweather, blah, blah, blah. Big Ross's crowd when McGregor goes on, seeing everybody's sharing. The fight starts, and it's just every punch, everything, whatever, whatever. You know, everybody's sharing. What I was surprised at, nobody made a racial reference. But in my head, I'm thinking Rocky. I'm thinking Rocky <laughs> one. I'm thinking Rocky two. I'm thinking three, four. It's like Rocky's always going against the black dude or the foreign, the foreign nationalist. And around round four, five, when the ties on the turn, everybody got deadly quiet. Like it just, it was just like you could hear a pin drop. The audio was on full blast. It was just crazy. So, turning point eight, eighth and ninth, whatever, it just got worse. It just got worse. It got keep more, more quiet. People started booing. It was like, oh, that's it. He's about to go down. He's done. He loses. As soon as he loses, chorus line walking out everybody <laughs> one by one just walking out heads held low it was just terrible i looked to the back and this lady older lady with her husband wiping tears from her <laughs> eye i'm talking <laughs> i'm talking full-on tears from my eyes dudes at the bar just head down nobody wanted to talk to me but one thing everybody did most part shook my hand Good fight, good fight. Like, I was fighting. <laughs> <laughs> Shaking my head like, good fight, good fight. I said, hey, man, I don't, I don't have a dog in this. I'm just here working. I just happened to be inside the bar while it's going on. But the energy, what I learned from this whole experience, and I remember, like like I said, the whole Rocky reference, hearing you talk about it, the energy was sat from that room so fast, and it went from a full house to about 20 people in the course of that fight, and people were sitting outside, cigarette butts on the floor. It it, it looked like a scene after uh, a president was assassinated or something like that. That's how, that's how it looked. <laughs> <laughs> Take it serious, man. Like, yeah, it, like, it brings it out. It brings it out. It's like Walter Cronkite came on and said, listen, ladies and gentlemen, you know, the president has been assassinated. That's what this looked like. It looked that bad. People were just so distraught. 
But it just goes to show you everybody's energy. That night was just amazing. Amazing, crazy night. But thank you for allowing me to tell that story. Dude, thank Man. you for telling it. That, 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 that's what we are here for. We are here for anecdotes like this. Hey, man, I'm going to holler at you, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, man. A whole lot of people came and hit me up about like what their fight experiences were. Not everybody was so pleasant out there playing double way games. Not everybody's. I watched a fight at my homie's house and a bunch of dudes he worked with came. And it turned out to be a mixed crew. And I told him that day, I'm like, look, if I come through, because I really wasn't trying to give my birthday to this shit, but you know, it happens. I was like, look, man, if if, 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 if this happens, right? If I come through, I don't know, man. He's like, nah, 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 nah. All these cats are cool. And I'm like, I understand that you think they cool, but I don't really know this yet. I'm not positive. And so I got there and, you know, it went pretty cool all the way through the fight to the end. No real beef in one direction or another. You know, everything seemed straight. Everybody seemed to be level about it. There was one dude, this white dude, and I don't have no explanation, but uh, he was fighting fighting the hell out of his nails. Like, he was tense. Tense, I tell you, tense. I don't have no real explanation for you as to why he was. But he was tense, I tell you, tense. Yeah, some other people have some other stories, though, man. Uh, some of the best stories are actually white people watching the fight with nothing but white people finding out that uh, they had misjudged the room, shall we say. Anywho, appreciate that. Let me see what other questions we got. Ooh, almost tempted to do that. Not quite. My God. With the where is it? Yeah, with the Ringers weird list of the top twenty greatest Southern albums, who are the five most influential or important groups slash figures in Southern rap history? Jesus Christ, are you writing a check? Like like, do you know how much I charge people for stuff like this? Okay, and I know, I know, I know. I have a tendency to be a jerk about these things. When people do this, I understand that this man just gently would like to know something. He just has a question. But damn, do you realize how ridiculous it is to ask somebody to come off the top of their head with a five? The whole thing, five? That being said, if we're going with figures, and I don't even know what we mean by figures, like is is a record company executive a figure, for example, or you're just talking about people who actually do the music? Like, yeah, there's a lot there. That being said, I would say that any such list at this point like, I ain't going to go with the whole list. I'm going to just stop and give you a question. I'm going to throw it out there and let you think about it for a second. Okay? Given what the sound of rap in Atlanta has been for, like, 
the last, I guess, about 10 years at least. Can I make an argument that the most influential Southern rap outfit has proven to be the three, six mafia. Could it be right? Cause think about how much of this stuff coming out of Atlanta. Like they like, think like you listen go like, listen to Migos, for example, like how much of that is three, six mafia. Cause I feel like a lot of that is three, six mafia sonically. Absolutely. Like Metro boom is doing a lot of three, six mafia stuff. Bad and bougie is a three, six mafia song. Right, get on one of them verses, all uh, bad and bougie, and just go in the background, <sighs> and tell me this does not suddenly turn into late '90s three six miles. It's just kind of an interesting thought, right? Because I could certainly make the argument that there are other people that have like stronger catalogs than three six mafia. Like I don't, I mean, I like them. Don't like what I love from three six mafia. I love, but I don't just like love three six mafia. But you just stop and think about how, like, what the influence of Three Six Mafia has been on the sound of rap. I also make an argument that Three Six Mafia kind of figured something out in a way that they're not like exactly the first to do it, but they really, really figured this out, which is how to make like really good rap music without anybody who is really good at rapping. I go to the Project Pack. Yeah, there's that. That Ringer list was awful, though. And then there we took submissions from the readers, and I was just like, I don't know why anybody thought that the readers would be any better. Like, if this is the list that you came up with yourselves as writers, with your readers in mind, I don't know why you thought the readers would come up with anything better. But when I saw in there, like, I think they had Ghetto D at 20, which, okay. I mean, I can see how you do that. I just disagree. But Rich Boy was at 19. 19. Now I was like, nah, nah. Now somebody had on here, like, I'm not going to put the question up on the screen, but somebody said, do you like Bodak Yellow? Bruh, uh, my Twitter profile, uh, Twitter bio is currently a quote from Bodak Yellow. Bodak Yellow, hard as hell. Like, I mean, I, she, she ain't, you know, like we're not talking about Coogee rap or anything like that. But that joint is hard, 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 hard. Appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. And somebody said, what Ringer employees is qualified to make that list to begin with? Uh, Shea Serrano is qualified to make that list. Absolutely. Anyway. So are we going to get to that insecure episode last night? Look at lads doing what the people want when the people forget to ask. So I went to sleep last night mad early. Woke up. Decided to give the episode of the Black Civil War run. Checked it out. You know, not an especially entertaining episode. I feel like this is like one of those groundwork episodes. You know, and this happens. Like, you got to remember this with TV shows is that especially as the game has gone to these long narrative arcs to run through whole seasons in ways that they did not do in previous years, you're going to have episodes that are just table setters, right? And so this episode is a table setter. Now, 
you kind of put me in a tricky situation here in discussing this in that the scene, shall we say, the climactic scene that everyone remembers and is discussing is one that is not the easiest in the world for me to talk about on the given platform. Now, that being said, you may have seen that scene where they were at the sex expo or whatever it was, and they were having their discussions about what they do and what they do not do. Now, I was trying to figure out in this as watching it, like is the point that they try to make here that they all be lying? You understand what I'm saying? Like, like, is that the point that they're going for here? Because they all be lying. And is that supposed to be like some indicator of what's wrong with their friendship as a crew? Because I'm looking at it and I'm like, okay, it's three of y'all. And all y'all got this attitude. Like, not a one of y'all is the dissenter. Yeah, there's the other one that, you know, say she ain't get down like that. Um, but she ain't really in the crew. She don't be on every episode. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I'm looking at these others, and I'm like, so, your whole your whole crew is kicking it like this. You can't even meet your crew at Bible study and all of y'all see it that way. Like, that's not... That's not happening. Like, I found it all to be so terribly implausible. Like, so much of the whole show became, like, terribly implausible in that moment. So I'm like, so wait a minute now, wait a minute now, wait a minute now. You telling me that you was with old buddy and we done seen old buddy and the way he was kicking it uh, with them two that he randomly met at the store and the way that he was kicking it with old girl from the bank. And you telling me he loved you that much that y'all was in this for like five years. And that's your attitude. Right. Like. Am I am, am I the only person here that saw that it was just like. Like, I would call that whole crew, man. I'm going to call them Becky and the Betamaxes. Becky the one with, uh, Becky the one that kicked it that one way, and then the other three, they is real Betamaxy. They is real, real Betamaxy. I couldn't believe it. I was just sitting there like, yeah, whatever. What are you talking about? Right? So, you know, anyway, there's that. I don't already forgot what they showed that loser Lawrence out there doing. He a loser. Like, I feel like that's the only conclusion I can draw about him after watching in total. Like, I realized that boy was a loser when he made that girl pay for her food. Like, you might be thinking, you know, you didn't think he was a loser when he was out of work for two years. Nah, the economy is rough, right? That could happen to the best of us. But when that dude... We've been laying up in that woman's house all weekend and then had her paying for her food. I was like, oh, okay. You're a loser. Ain't no way around that. You are a loser. And he was like on the couch for two years and didn't understand that was a problem. So anyway, yeah. 
your girl seemed like she getting okie doked on this open marriage thing. Cause I'm like, nah, 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 homie. Nah, 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 nah. This ain't no open marriage. And the way we know that this ain't no open marriage is, you know, his wife. And the only conversation y'all having about this is right here. Nah, 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 nah. By the way, what an unnecessary lie. Like, what a horrible idea on the lie. What a terrible idea. And even if it is open marriage, man, and I don't really know nothing about the rules of no open marriage. Uh, I do know this, though. Uh, something tells me that all this laying up and holding hands and staring at the ceiling is not how, like, that's how your open marriage becomes a second marriage. Like, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see no way around this. No, no, no. Like, everybody out here hustling backwards. And then your girl easily decided, oh, I don't want to be a beta match no more. Not exactly sure, like what you know, how that got brought on or whatever. But oh, won't be a beta max no more. So she ain't want to be a beta max no more. Um, all kinds of flaws here in this. Also, by the way, can we talk about for a brief moment um, Issa's description of her own, shall we call it, romanticism? Because that's like you don't really come across a lot of women in this world who be out here like you know, my shit's aight. No, 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 no. These are my experience in life. Um, when women get it wrong in terms of self-analysis on that thing, they go in the other direction. Like, I feel like the answer of, you know, my shit's tight. Like, that screams to me, this isn't, this is, this isn't any fun at all. And on top of that, they about that Betamax life. Like, wait, what? So anyway, you get to the end of the episode. It's the best way to put this. It's the best way to say it. A couple of amateurs. It's the best way to put it. A couple of amateurs. I would also say and I don't know what it is that like women are into necessarily. I don't know like what the things are that women look for that women, you know, I ain't really got no answer for that. However, it appeared that, uh, your man SoundCloud, uh, he looked like a dude who shaved his chest. Like they showed a shot of him on the couch and it looked like it was chest stubble. And I mean, I feel like that is a clear sign that you need to leave a dude low. Like, he clearly got too much time to be worried about the wrong things. And, hey, again, I don't know. Maybe that is what women prefer, right? Maybe that is what you want. I can't say nothing about that. I guess I'm not in a position to judge a woman for asking a man to shave any particular thing as, you know, a woman with hairy armpits is not the groove. I'd probably, I'd probably request some shave. So I don't get to judge anybody for asking somebody else shave something like, yes, I would appreciate it if you shave your legs. Yes, my legs are like woolly mammoth Harry. It's what it is. It's what it is. Maybe it's not fair, but it's what it is. Dude, out here shaving his chest, bro. I just feel like a lot of the warning signs are there. The other thing I would say about that episode of Insecure is for you young boys out here watching this, 
Like, I understand that, like, some of y'all are maybe in college or, like, recently out of college, right? So there is something that you are willing to do in college that you absolutely should not be willing to do in adult life. Like, something that I have done, that did in college. Um, And it's just kind of because you have to in college. Like, it's a little difficult to work around this in many ways. However, learn, 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 learn from little buddy on the first floor. Do not have sex with anyone who lives in your apartment complex. Make them have to commute to see you even if commuting is like walking two blocks there has to be a trip there needs to be a voyage you have to make a big decision about coming to see me what you're not gonna do is just stop by that's what you're not gonna do you're not just gonna fall through that's what you're not gonna do now, I had a girlfriend in college, and we lived in the same dorm. And I remember when I met her, she was adamant, adamant, I tell you, adamant. Ain't no stopping by. Right? Like, you want to come holler at me? You let me know, and then you can come through. But ain't no falling through. And we never had no problems in that regard. Wasn't no falling through. This dude here, and this, I mean, it's a young boy move, right? I couldn't quite tell how young the dude is, but that's a young boy move, right? Little mama come knock on your door talking about, did you leave your phone charger? And you're looking at that like, ah, pennies from heaven. And then she comes in. Now, by the way, I'd have made the same play about, like, fall through. At the very least, I might be down to, like, feel this out, right? You know? So that goes the way it goes. She rolls out. Ain't no stopping by. She just fell through. And just that quick, what she called it? What she called it? A hotation. Her whole rotation just fell off. All gone in a 30-minute episode with a very awkward Uber ride home. Looking like that. And I understand that some of you are not watching this live. And if you are not watching this live, it's no big deal. Because you know exactly the look that I'm making when I say she went home. Looking like that. So, yeah, man, once again, another episode that leaves you hating everyone on the show. Everyone. That being said, that just popping up. I keep telling you about this show. This show is a collection of avatars that allow you to project what's going on in your own life on there. And I saw one of my homeboys a minute ago, and he was heated about old girl stopping by without knocking. He was heated like she knocked on his door. He was heated like I was when I saw that time that she had sent her homegirl to old buddy's job 
to, to, to run recon. I was heated watching that as if it happened to me. Heated, I tell you, heated. Heated. Anyway, they're setting this all up for the grand, you know, Lawrence needs to get back together to figure out that they got so much, uh, what you call it, insecurity and defensiveness between the two of them after it didn't work out before to ever fully trust again. Or is that me projecting my life experience onto their television show? We all play the game the same way, by and large, ladies and gentlemen. Appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. If the cops won't do anything when a white nationalist shoots at a protester in broad daylight, then what are the cops even there for? Something like that. My computer's going slow and I can't get back to the question. Uh, Well, I guess if shooting at a a white nationalist shooting at a protester and the cops don't do anything, I guess part of why the cops are there, perhaps to stop people from shooting the white nationalists. Right? Maybe. Like, maybe that's the game. I don't have a great answer for you on what that means or, or like, look, man, like the second a gun come out, no matter what your beliefs are or who you agree with or anything along those lines, once the heat comes out, Hey man, <laughs> this has to stop. And I mean, he just, he just pulled that out, pulled it, fired it. Didn't really know what he was doing. I suppose that's why he wasn't actually ready to shoot me body. And, like, what, they going to go find him now? Or they just found him or something like that? And I'm like, yo, what are you talking about? Like, the problem that you've got, and I think this is, like, something that gets lost in the discussion of the white nationalists, is that not every white nationalist is willing to go, like, just shoot random non-white person just, like, with impunity. That's not likely to happen. However, we should keep in mind that in a world where like this is overwhelming amount of white privilege, right? And we have this understanding that white folks got it pretty good relative to everybody else, even though white folks ain't got as good as they want. These are people who are aggrieved to a point where they believe that they are not afforded the rights that they should have as white people and that there are certain rights as white people that they used to have that were then taken away from them and they want those rights back. What's one of those rights that they used to have that got taken away? Correct. The ability to shoot black people with impunity. Like that's one of these things, one of these rights that was lost was the ability to do that. So, If you got 5,000, let's just throw 5,000 out as a number. I can't remember how many of them showed up, right? But let's just call it 1,000, right? You got 1,000 white nationalists in one place. What are the odds that there's one there who, if given the proper opportunity, will not pull his gun out and just try to shoot somebody for being not white? Like, mathematically, what are the odds there? And so... If you are a cop and you're working a white nationalist rally, I would think job one is to stop the white nationalists from shooting somebody. Like, you got your problems with, like, the Antifa people and stuff like that, but it seems pretty clear they like to fight. 
Like they are showing up just like, yo, we want to fight. I don't, they don't seem to be showing up to shoot people. They feel like shooting, they seem to think that shooting people like takes the joy out of this. Like they seem to show up. They like the crackheads. They don't like, they're not trying to split your wig. I mean, they're trying to split. They're not trying to bust a cap. Like they seem, they want to come there to fight. Like that just seems to be what they do. Like what they bout is scrapping. So you got to watch out for them. Absolutely. But man, part of the platform of the far right is also the guns. Well, that's a huge part of the platform. So I would be thinking that if you work in as law enforcement, security, anything else like that, you're like, your job one is I got to make sure these cats don't shoot anybody. Like, I would think that would be the number one thing on everybody's mind is I need to make sure that none of these cats come in here and shoot somebody. Like, if I can't get into certain clubs and I'll walk through a damn metal detector, I would think that if you police, that would be your first thought right over here. It's like, yo, man, I just got to make sure these cats don't shoot nobody. And then you saw that. I mean, I don't know what else there is to say, right? You saw what you saw. But hey, ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on the Evening Jones. We try to do this here once a week, squeeze in on the vacation week. We'll probably go back to doing it on like Wednesdays next week as, you know, football season is coming back. And I know y'all not about to watch football over me. I'm not offended by that, by the way. I just recognize that that's just what the deal is. So, anyway, uh, my man Lance Gilliam handles everything behind the scenes. Like two hours before we did this tonight, I decided this is what I wanted to do, and he got everything together, made it all work. So, Lance, of course, thank him. Uh, remember, if you cannot watch the Evening Jones live, subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to the iTunes store, subscribe at Stitcher Radio, check us out at SoundCloud. Also, you can look find us at the Google Play Store. I expect to talk to you guys next week. Take it easy. <laughs>